Welcome to the church, amen. amen. Man, it's story time, okay? Come on now. I need you to, I need, what is up, dude? <laughs> it's story time, man. We need to tell some stories. And, and I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna take you into a story right now, all right? I wanna bring you into the story. I want you to actually be in the story. So when, we, when I'm talking about this story, I need you to imagine what it looks like to be there. I need you to imagine what the walls look like, what the floor looks like, what the table looks like, all right? So go with me, man, 2,000 years ago to a story that you may have heard already. You've heard, man, man, man I don't know, maybe if you heard the story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Anybody heard that story or not? Yeah, man. Some of you have not heard that story. Maybe this is the first time you're going to hear this story, so this is a good day for you, man, because it is a really good story. It is a true story. This really happened, man. This really took place, and I want us to go back like we were there. How many times do you listen to stories and you kind of imagine what it would have been like to be there, man? That's why we got movies, man, because they're saying, look, here, now you ain't got to, this is what it looks like. So create this movie in your mind as we go back in time. 2,000 years ago, you're in this room upstairs. You got this table that's kind of like almost like a horseshoe kind of style table. All right, Jesus is there, man, at the center of the table, up towards the top, up towards the, 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 the up towards that part right there, man, and and you, and you're leaning on this table because it's kind of low, and your feet are kicked out this way. All right, and you're just kind of snacking on some 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 dinner and stuff like that. You're having some supper, right? You're enjoying a meal. All right, and, 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 and the disciples are there, man, and everybody's just kind of chopping it up. You know what I mean? They're just talking about this and they're talking about that. But, you know, you guys have been having dinner, and that's what happens through dinner, right? You, know, you talk to the person next to you. You talk to the person across the table. And when the head of the table starts talking, you kind of, shh, you know, let's see what these guys say. And so imagine that has taken place. What does the table look like? What's on the table? What kind of food, man? What are the, what are the walls in the room look like? It's 2,000 years ago. What's everybody dressed like? All right, what do you look like? What are you wearing, man? You're trying to fit in, man. You, you, know, you, you, know, you, you don't have your guest jeans on or nothing like that, all right? So you're probably robed out, right? You know what I mean? Got some killer sandals and stuff like that, and you're kicking it. And then all of a sudden, man, Jesus, in the middle of dinner, man, he gets up, right? He gets up and then, you know, and then, you know, you were probably chopping it up a little bit with Bartholomew or Nathaniel or somebody, and you're just like cutting some stuff up, man. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets up, like, hold on, man, hold on. What's he doing? Maybe he's going to the bathroom, right? He's getting up. Maybe he's going to walk to the bathroom. But wait, 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 wait. He takes off his outer robe. He goes towards the front door, and at the front door, there's a table, man. Maybe it's like this table right here. I don't know, all right? But there's a table right there. It has some towels on it, big towels, a big basin of water and a tub. He heads over that way, and he grabs this towel. And the reason it's there, man, because the streets are dirty, and your feet get dirty when you're walking the streets, all right? And you get some dirt on your feet. Normally, there is a servant all right, a worker who's right there when you walk in the room, like, hold on a second, and they just kind of handle that for you. But there wasn't this day, right? And all of a sudden, you're this evening, and Jesus gets up and he walks over there and gets one of them big old towels and wraps it around his waist and ties it off. He grabs some of that water and puts it in a bowl, and you're like, what in the world is this dude doing? Right, you're tripping, like he is not going to do that. Bartholomew, Bart, maybe you call him Bart, Bart. Is he really going to do this? Phil, 
Help me out here, man. <laughs> what is happening here? Pete. Pete's like, I ain't saying nothing. Pete's always acting like he knows what's happening, right? Pete's like going, nah, you, you don't know. I ain't going to tell you. All right. He gets up. He grabs it. And he comes over, you know, to, 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 to maybe the disciple that's, that's next to you. And there, and there is the creator of time and space kneeling down, man. And you're laying right here. And he's washing this cat's feet. And you're like, dang, what did he do to get to deserve? I mean, are you kidding me? And he washes his feet, man. Then he comes over to the one, to you. And you're like, Ugh. right? And he washes your feet, man. And then the next person. And then, and then, and then he, gets, he goes over to Pete, all right? And Pete's looking around like, these guys, they never know what's happening. I'm going to have to show them what's taking place here. No, Jesus, <laughs> You're not me. You don't have to wash my feet. Pfft. Are you kidding, guys? Wait, how did you, did you really, I knew you, and, and, and no, don't worry, Jesus, I'm good. And Jesus says to him, Peter, no, you ain't. Your feet are dirty, brother. I need to wash your feet. If you don't let me serve you, man, you got no part of me. And then Peter, man, realized he messed this thing all up, all right? And immediately says, well, Lord, then not just my feet, but my head and my hands and my whole body. Give me a bath, Lord. Give me a bath, Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, Peter, you are just, he probably didn't say what he wanted to say, all right? <laughs> and he washes his feet. And basically, he's saying, Peter, man, you can't do this on your own, man. You can't get there on your own, Peter. You need my help, all right? You're not getting anywhere without my involvement. This is not going to be doable without me doing it through you, doing it in you, doing it from you, Pete. You got to allow me to be involved on this, man. Wait a second. There was somebody else in that room. There was another dude in there that let Jesus wash his feet. Some guy that we paint as, you know, well, rightly so, he's the bad guy. <laughs> he was in there. Judas was at the table. He was at the table, man, and Jesus knew all things, man, and he came and he went to Judas, took a knee, and washed his feet. And then got up and kept having dinner and said, look at it. And he gave a little teaching on this, man. And he knew that, Jesus, that Judas was going to go betray him. Actually, he even says, hurry up, go do what you got to do. And here's what Judas did, man. He went and betrayed Jesus with clean feet. With clean feet. But a dirty heart. But a dirty heart. And I'm looking at this, man, and I'm thinking about this, man. He told Peter, man, Peter, now that you know, man, act like you know, brother. You see, Peter, from this point on, all right, later that night, he's going to actually even deny Jesus, all right? And then later on, he's going to be restored by Jesus. And then he's going to be this church pioneer, man, starting planting churches. He'll be the first one to speak this big sermon at the grand opening of the church. 3,000 people are going to be saved, all right? All this stuff, he's going to write us this letter to 1 Peter, 2 Peter. He's going to 
teach us, the church, all this stuff is coming. Jesus said, man, Peter, now that you know, act like you know. But then he washed his other cast feet and he wasn't even trying to know. And I asked myself, man, how many times have I portrayed Jesus with clean hands? How many times have I betrayed Jesus with clean feet? How many times have I turned my back on God with what I thought to be a clean heart, but wasn't so clean? How many times did I act like I know, but I didn't know? How many times when I did know did I act like I didn't know? How often do we know and yet we act like we don't know. Oh man. Am I preaching to anybody in here? Come on. Come on. I love what Oswald says about this man, old Ozzy. Ozzy Chambers. <laughs> The original Oz. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> he says, beware of not acting upon what you see in your moments on the mountaintops with God. Beware of not acting upon those moments you get understanding from Jesus that you know and then you're acting like you don't know. Beware of knowing and not acting like you don't know. He says this. He says, in the moment you neglect what God is doing in you, and through you, your spiritual life begins to disintegrate within you. The moment we neglect what God is doing in us and through us, our spiritual life begins to disintegrate within us. Let me ask you, this is a crazy question, all right? How, how would you feel watching Jesus wash your feet? Anybody? How would you feel? All right. You're just kicking it. All right. And you're like, all of a sudden you're like, boom, heart attack. I'm dead. All right. How would you, how would you feel watching, watching Jesus? He's, he kneels down in front of you. He kneels down before you. You're Crazy. I know what my feet, my feet are crazy. My, 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 my toenails, they look, the only thing that would go good with my toenails is some salsa because they look like Fritos. All right. That's it. I'm like, what? Don't touch those things. Don't touch them, man. Right. I'm like, don't touch those things, man. This is crazy. How would you feel? If Jesus knelt down before you and started washing your feet, man, would you freak out? Anybody? Would you come undone? Would you just trip out? Think about it. Well, you can relax because he's, he's not washing your feet, but he did way more than that. He did way, he did way more than wash your feet, man. All right, so, so let me ask you this. How do, how do you react? Not how should you or how would you, but now, now that, how do you react knowing, all right, that he died for you and that he rose again and that he paved the way between you and the Father that our sin was separating us from? 
How do you react knowing these things? Do you say, well, that's okay, man. I'm good with that. Just don't wash my feet. All right, let me ask you. Shouldn't knowing this create some kind of change in our life, some kind of, of, of pursuit for more, some kind of, 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 of like, wait a second, all right? He, you know, I want to be like him kind of thing. Shouldn't, shouldn't knowing, shouldn't, should, you know, now that we know, shouldn't we be acting like we know? Maybe. I'll check this out, man. First Peter chapter one, verse 13. Open your Bibles. Yeah, I'm going to have it on the screen, but you need to all be in the habit of opening up your Bibles. All right. So open up your Bibles to first Peter chapter one, verse 13. You're like, I ain't got a Bible. All right. I'm always, you know what I mean? Well, if you have a phone, you should have a Bible app. Open up your Bible app. Now don't go to Facebook or Instagram because usually you'll look at my Bible. App. Oh, I can't believe she wore that. All right. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. Don't go to none of that. Open up your Bible to, to, to first Peter. Chapter 1, verse 13. And may the Lord, God Almighty, the Spirit that, of God Almighty, that we just sung and praised Him and said, break out. May He add, give understanding to the reader and hearer of His Word. If you're wondering what to be reading these next couple of months, try First Peter. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Now, First Peter just got through, in the previous verses, we're going to get some major traction today. We're going to do nine verses today, all right? But we're going to kind of look at them a little bit differently, all right? And before this, he's been talking about our salvation, our, the fact that he, that, he, that he died, was buried, rose again. He is, you know, and caused us, you know, to be born again to this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about that, even though we're going through some crazy things in our life, this is our hope, all right? And it's kept in heaven. It's unfading. It's not going away. And even it's so, such a crazy thing, this salvation, that, that, the, that the back, the, the back in the day, the, the prophets used to search and study out when and who this is going to take place through. It's such an amazing thing that even angels lean in and try to see how you and I are going to play this out. It's pretty crazy. First Peter chapter 13, he says, therefore, therefore, anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, ask yourself, what's that therefore? Hmm? All right, check it out. <laughs> and then go, maybe go back a little bit and see why it's there. But I just shared with you what the therefore was there for. Why? All right, and so he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written... You shall be holy, for I am holy for too many years. These verses right here have given people the reason to make a billboard and go, bam, 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 be holy, be holy, be holy. Put up a mirror. Go, no, what about you? I want us to take a look. Is, is, is those verse, are those, is that even possible? And why is it even, why is it even necessary? And you know, why is he even telling this? Is now let these, these next few verses are going to reiterate what the therefore was there for, all right? And then we're going to come back to, to those verses. So check this out, verse 17. And if you call on him as father, do you call on him as father? 
Does anybody here call on him as father? All right, if you call on him as father, all right, who judges impartially, all right, to each one's deeds, then conduct, all right, this word conduct means to live day to day, day in and day out. When you get up, all right, you are conducting all the way until you pass out and go to sleep, all right, you are conducting life. He says, so then conduct yourselves with fear, with reverence, with respect, with recognition that he is the almighty, amen, with recognition, all right, all right, through this time, through the time of your exile, this is huge. Through the time, you, we all have these allotted times. And I believe sometimes we actually, we can speed up the process. I have been burying way too many young people this year. And I can't stand it. It's driving me crazy. I'm waiting right now, man, for uh, a call today, man, and I need you to pray for, for a couple of ladies, man. I need you to pray for Chelsea D, and I need you to pray for Teresa, all right? I need you to pray for these women because they're struggling. They're fighting for their life right now, and I am asking God, do not take them home. We need them here. They're women of faith. They're amazing women of God, and, I just, and, and they, they, they live the life that we're talking about right here. And we need them. So pray, please, please pray for them. Chelsea D, 33 years old, down, right around, she's down in, in Tucson. Teresa, all right, she's like my age, maybe a little bit younger than me. She's down in, 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 in um, Phoenix and both of them in the hospital. Man, please pray for them. But he says, man, he says, look at, he tells us right here. He says, you know, if you call on him who judges, you know, conduct yourselves with fear through this time, throughout the time. You don't know what the, the next day holds. You don't know what the rest of today holds, man. You have no clue, but you do know who holds the day. Amen. And you have the choice on what to think about, what to entertain, what to act out on, what to say what to speak out. All these choices belong to you. This idea of conducting is choose wisely, knowing, verse 18, that you were ransomed, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things as such as silver or gold. You're like, what are you talking about? You know, when they thought that all they needed to do was follow the rules. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit, and it's not about that. But, but, but instead, you were, you, were, you, were, you, were, you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. The life that God has called us to is so much bigger than the life that we were living without him. The life that God is calling you to is so much bigger than the life that we try to live without him. And Peter is trying to tell us, man, now that you know, act like you know. And when I say act like you know, I'm not saying pretend like you know. I mean, act out, conduct your life 
in this manner. It's what he's telling us. This is, I mean, come on, man. This is the message that, that to the church. This is the message for the church. This is the message that the church needs to be in, 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 you know, in the streets today. People need to see us living fully alive for Jesus Christ. This needs to be recognizable. Now that you know, act like you know. Let's go all the way back to the therefore in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. He says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, therefore, preparing your minds. All right, he's saying, basically, your minds are ready to think. You're, you have a ready mind. It's ready to think. All right, it's not even only ready to think. It is, it is ready to learn. It's ready for action action. He's saying having a ready mind, because a ready mind doesn't need to get ready. Amen. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, being ready to learn, being ready to think, being ready for action, he says, and being sober-minded, able to think rightly. So having a ready mind and a right mind, beware of mental intoxications. There are so many out there right now. Let me just grab a hold of your mind and get you thinking about things you just don't need to be thinking about. Yes, there's drugs. Yes, there's alcohol abuse. Yes, there's all those things that are intoxicating and, they, and, they, and, they, and you, don't, you can't think rightly. But there are also other things. Greed. You know what I mean? Just, you know, just kind of all these other things. You know, uh, you know there's just selfishness. Pride, anxieties, depressions, and stuff like that, man. Ask God to, to release you of these things, man, and to lead you into this sober mind. He's not, here's what I love about Peter. He, he's not telling you to prepare your mind, and he's not telling you to be sober-minded. He's basically assuming that you're already doing this. How could you assume this about me, Peter? How can you just have this assumption? Because he's assuming that you have the spirit of the living God living deep inside of you. And he says, therefore, have a ready mind. Therefore, be, you know, therefore, having a ready mind and being in the right mind. Think through the filter of your faith. He says, set your hope on the, fully on the grace. Start thinking through the filter of your grace, Look at, uh, of, of your faith. Look at in verse 14. And as obedient children. Again, he's not telling us to be obedient, man. He's assuming that we are. I cannot imagine a conversation between the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John. Hey, man, um, you going to church today? Do you ever think they ever asked that question? <laughs> hey, Pete, you going to church? <laughs> I don't know, man. I was at this one church. I really don't like the worship. And so <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go, man. Do you know of another church? Well, there's this other one over here, man. But the child care is kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Just in, in, they never said, are you going to church? But they would hold each other accountable when it came to being the church. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's saying, man, quit trying to mix your old life with your new life. You ever see that happening? Come on, man. I'm talking to an army right now. This is what I believe. I'm not talking to babies. And there are some children in here, but I think you children are warriors because you're paying attention. 
There are some teenagers in here and your warriors and soldiers because you're parenting. This is an army. And the world, man, tell me the world doesn't need an army, all right, whose weapons are faith, hope, and love. Come on, man. Tell me the world don't need that right now. He say, man, quit trying to mix your old life with this new life, all right? If you've given your life to Christ, then stop trying to take it back. Stop bringing you know, lies back to life. Stop bringing immorality back to life. Stop bringing some of your old habits back to life. Stop, stop bringing, you know, whatever the junk that was infiltrating your life and intoxicating your mind, stop bringing that back to life. When Jesus says it's done, it's dead, it's finished, I paid the price for it. We're resurrecting all the wrong things. He says, now that you know, man, act like you know. You're like, how am I supposed to act like I know, man? And for me, I, I like to put myself to the test. And I think it's so much, so, so, I think it's important. It's actually biblical, you know, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. And I ask myself a very simple question. I want to challenge you guys, you know, to see if this works for you. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to take it home with you in a little bit. But I ask myself the question, and this is very simple, man. We got some, we got some men in here, we got some women in here. All right, whether you're a little man or a big man, a little woman or a big woman, we got men and women in here. And, and personally, I, uh, I don't go around telling people they're a good man or they're a good woman. I don't use that phrase lightly. I like to investigate lives. I want to know if somebody's a good man or if somebody's a good woman. Usually a good man you'll see is marked by integrity. All right, what comes out of their mouth has already been proven in a life. Right? And I have one time I asked my grandson, I want to talk about little men. My grandsons, Jesse and Elijah, and I think Jesse's like 11, Elijah's like eight. And I said, hey man, what is a good man? You know what Jesse said? One who respects women. A man who respects women. I said, boy, I need you to preach one of these days. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks anyways. I asked Elijah, eight years old, what's a good man? And he immediately said, is a man who helps others before himself. I said, good answer. Real good answer. You got five bucks? I can put, never mind. Never mind. Like, <laughs> but I like to ask myself this question. When confronted with struggle, when confronted with hardship, when confronted with circumstances, when confronted with opportunity, when confronted with I know, be able to, being able to do things that, you know what, it doesn't matter, nobody's looking around. When confronted with all kinds of stuff, I ask myself this one question, what would a good man do? What would a good man do? What would a good man do? And then I'm challenging you ladies, man. What would a good woman, ask the question. It, it, this, that simple question, what would a good woman do in this situation at home, with the family, at work, out in the marketplace, wherever you're at, asking this simple question, it does way more than, than you think to just, to honestly ask this question, you know what I mean? You know, what would a good man do? What would a good woman do? Here's the thing, in most cases, you already know the answer, but the challenge is, will you do it? Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to step into what a good man or woman would do in this situation? And I believe that this question gets more done than you think. Four things that I think that I see happen every time that I ask this question. Number one, I see it gives me a better view. 
When I ask this question, when I'm in a situation and I ask myself, what would a good man do? It takes me out of the quickness of the circumstance. It takes me out of the, you know, the, the, the immediacy of what's happening around me and, and it just, it removes me and it kind of gives me a non-biased look at that situation and it helps me see others the way I should probably be seeing them and not just myself. When I ask the question, what would a good man do? It gives me a better view. Number two, it reveals motives, my motives. When I ask the question, what would a good man do? It, really, it reveals why I'm even in this situation, what I think I want to get out of this situation. It reveals my, my motives, man. It, you know, it makes me see if I'm just in it for me, if I'm just trying to get mine. Number three, it reveals weaknesses. It forces me to see things about myself that I need to change. When I ask the question, when I'm confronted, man, and I'm like at home and I'm thinking, you know what? Well, what would a good man do in this situation? It forces me, you know, to, to, to see where, well, I really don't want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sees weakness and to rise above and to step in to what I believe a good man should do. And the same works for, for you ladies. What would a good woman do? What would a good woman do? What would a good woman do, man? What would a good husband do? What would a good wife do? What would a good mom do? What would a good dad do? What would a good son or daughter do? I mean, you can, you can, you can transfer this all over, but I to me, it's, it's the good man, because I just, for me personally, I have a, my own personal definition of a good man, and that just, you have to rise up to reach that. And I kind of challenge myself, what would it look like? I don't always hit the mark, I'm telling you. We know this. It gives you a better view. It reveals mo uh, motives. It reveals weakness. And it inspires you to reach beyond yourself. Have you ever just said to yourself, well, that's just not how I am. I just don't like that. I just don't do that. I just don't go there. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about sin. I'm just talking about, this is not my style. It, it inspires you to reach beyond yourself when you say, well, what would, a good, what would a good man do? What would a good woman do? He's telling us this in the context of, 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 of having this ready mind, this right mind, and thinking through the filter of our faith. And how we can stop mixing this old life with, with, with our new life in Christ and resurrecting the old lives. In reality, this is a very God-sized question. What would a good man do? What would a good woman, woman do? Look at it in verse 15. He says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, in all your going out, in all your coming in. And it's simply, man, just, just I, I, for me, it's so much helpful, man, just as a good starting place, just filtering life through those questions. You who, who, who you be holy, as he who calls you so, look at it, verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, I'm not going to lie, man, when I first read that back in the day, I started reading the Bible, I was like, oh, done here. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? That ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? Because you look at that and you're like, no way. How in the world is that going to happen? And I believe when you, leave this up there for a would you, would you? I believe when, 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 with this, I believe proximity makes all the difference. When I was a kid, I didn't think I would ever get married. I didn't think I would ever get married. I was just like, I was a knucklehead. I didn't know how to think right, right? And, and, then, and then when I got married, I was wondering if I could ever stay married. All right? I was wondering, you know, could Debbie and I, are we going to be able to make this happen, man? Because we are so different. But proximity made all the difference. Because the more we'd allow ourselves to get closer and closer and closer and closer, the more we started to understand one another. And, I, and the more that we realized that, that, that her story was no longer her story, and that my story was no longer my story, but this now became one story. I believe proximity makes all the difference that before Christ was in your life, you were living what you considered to be your story. And I think too many of us step into Christ and say, okay, come on, get in my story. And that is not what takes place here. Your story has to die. And you take on his story, this new story. Reagan and I are going to have a conversation about this in a little bit, right? Right on. She wants to get baptized. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. And we take on these new stories. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more we see what Jesus is like and the more we want to be like Jesus. And the more we understand about his filling of his Holy Spirit, the more we recognize that he is enabling us to do this. He is not only, he is empowering us to do this. But we have to be real about this. We can't be all fake in the front. You know what I'm saying? I was all saying that if you're all in, you, you need to show that you're in. All right? If you're all in with Christ, you need to show it, man. And not this holier-than-thou idea. This, I mean, how did Jesus show that he was... Was Jesus holy? Did he walk around telling everybody how holy he is? How holy they need to be? He talked to the religious leaders who said they were holy and said, you guys ain't holy. <laughs> There's your model. That's what he says. So if you're in, show it. If you're working on it, say it. If you don't understand it, admit it. Too often we think we just need to fake the front. And you're like, what does that even mean? Fake the front means that what's out front, what everybody can see, you're just faking it. Pretty simple, right? Faking the front. <laughs> All right? And so you're just out there faking the front. Judas faked the front, didn't he? Go ahead. All right? Went and sold out Christ for some pocket change. It's not even cool. No more, no one knows more than Jesus if you're faking the front, man. And, and then let me just tell you this. Now that you know, you know make it, act like you know. If, if holiness, all right, if, if your holiness, if your attempt for holiness, if your pursuit for holiness points just to you, then it ain't holiness. It's not what we're talking about right here. It's not what Jesus is talking about. It's not what, you know, God talked about when he said this back in the old, oh, now that you know, act like you know, you know what I mean? But that, that verse, you know what I mean? Be holy, that, that, you know, put that back there real quick, please. I'm sorry. All right, it's written, you should be holy for I am holy. He wasn't saying follow the rules because I follow all the rules. Do you think that's what God was saying? I want you to follow the rules because I'm following. If I got to follow them, you got to follow them. God's not saying that. 
He's not, he's not talking about us, about following all the rules, man. He's talking about, you know, Christ in you for the life of you. Amen. He's telling us to live the life that God desires to live from you. One that looks more and more like his son, Jesus, every day. Amen. Now that you know, act like you know. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, man. This is what we need to do. And so check this out. Here's what I want you to do. You're like, well, how, how can we put, what's an easy next step for us to begin with? I want you this week, all right, to ask the question, what would a good man do? What would a good woman do? I don't want you to look at your woman and say, come on, what would a good woman do? If you want to get punched in the eye, go for it. All right, knock it out. All right? I will not tell Debbie that. All right? I remember one time right before church, we were getting ready for church, and we were trying to get this lamp out of this, out of this closet, and it was up here. She's like, I got it. I was like, I got it. She's like, I got it. And I was like, I got it. She let go. Boom. Clocked myself right in the eye. Went to church with a big knot on my head. It was like church was in like 20 minutes. All right? So anyways, I don't tell her, uh, you know, what would a good woman do? All right? I asked myself, what would a good man do? Take that question. It's a simple little question that you can make portable. Today, when you're at the store and you're getting lunch and all these people that just came up here, <laughs> what would a good woman do? What would a good man do? And they're all over the world and you can't get out. What would a good woman do? What would a good man do? I'm not going to answer the questions for you. When you're considering your lifestyle, what would a good woman do? What would a good man do? When you're dating somebody, you're just meeting, man. What would a good man do? What would a good woman do? When you have an opportunity at work to get ahead, but you have to get over on somebody, what would a good man do? What would a good woman do? When you're challenged with different circumstances, Moral decisions. What would a good woman do? What would a good man do? When, when it's a gray area and you're not sure where this is even going, ask yourself that question. Pull yourself out of the grayness. What would a good woman do? What would a good man do? Essentially, if you're a man or woman of God, you're essentially asking, what would a man of God do? What would a woman of God do? It's a good question. Ask this question no matter what, man. And we owe it to ourselves to at least try to see what somebody would look like in our circumstance if they were fully a follower of Jesus. We owe it to the ones that we love to ask this question. We definitely owe it to the ones that Jesus loves to ask this question. Brennan Manning said this. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. This was a Christian who acknowledged Jesus with their lips. They walk out that door and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. What would a good woman do? What would a good man do? Now that you know, act like you know. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you the praise.
Lord God, we give you the honor and all the glory, Lord God. And um, we're not done talking about holiness by far, Lord God. There's so much more to pursue and understand. But Lord, help us to be men and women like Jesus, who loved you first, loved others first, filled with your Holy Spirit, change the world for your glory. Help us, Lord God, as followers of our great God and King, Jesus Christ, to do the same. Praise the Lord. Amen.